Welcome to the Brilliantly Resilient Podcast. What's your train wreck? Everyone has one. The question is, are you going to live there or are you just visiting? Let's check in with Mary Fran and Kristen to learn how to come through not broken, but brilliant. Hey everyone, before we dive into this week's episode, we have a resource that we wanted to tell you about. Transform every week of yours with our brilliance bit that will deliver right to your email inbox. Sign up for it at brilliantlyresilient.net and keep living brilliantly resilient. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Brilliantly Resilient Live. We are here at the NIDA convention again, also sponsored by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with our new friend, David Brinkley. David is the executive director of Western Kentucky University Public Media. Did I get that all right? Absolutely. Okay. Appreciate it. We have a lot of acronyms, a lot of links. There's a lot things. of words. There's a lot of words, and I'm still struggling to get them right, but I think I handled that one okay. David, welcome. Thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate you having me. Thanks. We're so happy to have you here. So as you have just been told here at Brilliantly Resilient, we talk about people's challenges and sucker punches and the things that got them through that might be helpful to other people through that, you know, that worst of it to then rising out of it and showing your brilliance. So tell us a little bit about your story. So five years ago, next month, so that would be in really October 17th, 2017, uh, suddenly I was diagnosed uh, and unexpectedly with uh, head, neck and lung cancer. Oh my gosh. And um, I was 49 years old. I fit in an age category where we could take some risk, but in, in, aside from that, my wife and I were, we, they sat us down in my oncologist's office and they said, look, maybe if you're lucky, you've got 18 months, um, let's, let's plan and we'll put a course of action in place and maybe 18 months, right? So you go from life, I had just come from a broadcaster's convention, Everything was fine. We were planning an event on campus. Everything was fine. Um, and on a, the Monday after that weekend, it was homecoming weekend, uh, that was the diagnosis. And so everything stopped. Uh, we uh, immediately left the, the oncologist's office and went uh, to my wife's mother's office and told her. And at the time, she was a state representative in Kentucky, and they pulled her out of uh, session, session to have that so we could have that conversation I went to my parents house oh. and we had that conversation immediately my dad and had an ongoing battle with cancer uh, and was currently at that time in remission um, but totally understood so that was it we went ahead and planned our lives around 18 months had you had did you have some kind of complications leading up to it that, no. that you get you just got this diagnosis out of the, the thin air? There was a uh, the feeling of a, a growth in my throat, mm. and it sort of just sort of happened. I mean, I I describe it as well. It wasn't there yesterday, right? Yeah. Um, and that led to the you know the tests, right? You, you did the CTs, the PET CTs, all the different acronyms of cancer tests and blood tests and. Um, they come back and they're all bad and they say, you know, good luck, but we can do some stuff. We're going to try some stuff, but you should plan on 18 months. So get your house in order, you know, get your wills, get your everything. So we planned our life 
around leaving. Around you not being around. In 18 months. So, so for So the great news is, think about this. The great news on that is I had 18 months. It yeah. wasn't car accident right. it wasn't a wreck it wasn't something where i was just suddenly taken away it wasn't a plane but crash. you did, did you didn't have the the wherewithal to think of it that way in that moment no did you? no that took a long time yeah it took several you know i had to get my religious house in order my personal house in order financial house and relationship house in order there's things that you want to check off your list yeah I had wanted to go to all 50 states. I had to do that. You know, there, there are, I had a few left, right? Three at the time. But every perspective that you have in life changes. Mm -hmm. And somebody's going to tell you there's a clock. Yeah. And that clock's running out. By the way, you get to live that clock, but it's still going to end. Suddenly, your choices become so much more profound. Well, you have a tendency not to deal with little the, things the minutiae of the minutia, life <laughs> the, 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 yeah, i mean how do you say it? the bs right, right. yeah when, definitely don't sweat the small stuff well there's you don't have any reason to make up fascinating stories or yeah. um not tell people what you really think or not i mean it, it's there's, a, not, there's a liberation in in there that, is a tremendous freedom yeah there is and i think that that was one of the things that that kristen and i found Kristen's raising two blind kids. My my son struggled with addiction issues for, for many, many years. And when you get to that lowest place, that most basic of places, as challenging as it is, it's also very freeing in the sense that you think, okay, so now what's important? Because not most of this other stuff is. Right. And, and, and we were there. And so my wife had lost her father in an automobile accident. 10 years prior to that. So uh, he had visited her last at our home. So there was other feelings about me dying on top of him dying. And, and my dad had been in this ongoing battle with different types of cancer. So really connecting all of those dots. And, and you know, I have three children. We have uh, two. And then uh, we adopted a, a, a child. And, and making sure that everybody's provided for, everyone is taken care of. And then you don't think about certain things like the inability to add life insurance policies or upgrade things once you have a diagnosis like that. Yeah. What happens to other things that you take for granted? You can no longer donate blood. You can no longer, not that it matters that much if you've got 18 months, but things that you do in terms of other service, those are limited. So, Clearly, that redefined you. That that diagnosis redefined you. Did it redefine you? And I'm not talking initially, obviously, but did it redefine you in any positive way? Oh, everything was positive. I felt better about my life, about what had been accomplished, about the people that I had known. I, I had very few regrets. Oh, so you were kinder to yourself, which is something we're all supposed to be doing, but obviously i weighed a lot less um so i took a lot of liberties with food and eating and and, <laughs> enjoying, and, life. and enjoying life and relationships and and really making the most of time with people and not caring so much about well did i dust the baseboard or is the house vacuumed instead let's go outside and enjoy time with the dogs and and, and mm. different things that we put off we punish ourselves intentionally because 
we feel like we have these lists we have to check off every week. We do punish we, ourselves intentionally. We right? threw the With list our have-to-dos. Right. Or should-dos. In that moment of this diagnosis that comes out of nowhere, did you just go... Well, they didn't get hit by a car. I got 18 months. Or were you like, were you mad? Were you? Well, it doesn't do any good to get mad. Now, and, and we talked about this. Uh, first thing I did, though, is an act of pretty heavy support system. Mm. Good friends, family. Because the hardest part was really telling people that you're related to not hearing it yourself. Because you don't want to let your parents down. You don't want to yeah. let your... You don't want to inflict pain on anyone. And right. that's going to happen. And you know when you say these things. You know, when I told my kids, when I told oh. my wife, you know, when Jen was there with me, but I mean, that's a tough pill. Yeah. And you're going to tell your children and then suddenly goals are, well, can you hang on long enough for me to get out of college or, right. you know, we want to see graduation. I was able last year to marry my daughter. Uh, I, I performed the ceremony. I got ordained oh and did gosh. that when she got married and we never thought that would happen. So the priorities in your family life, you know, the, the little piddly arguments and little things that make no difference at all, right? Well, you, you don't pick up those towels or whatever. None of that matters because then you say, well, what are the life moments that we're going to miss? What are the things that we can do? And then when you get extended time, you do those things. Mm. And in a million years, I would have never said that I was going to perform my daughter's wedding as an ordained universal life minister from online, right? <laughs> On the Mississippi coast in a beautiful outdoor setting. A million years I haven't told you I wasn't going to do that. But we did that last year. And we did that as a celebration of being able to do that. I mean, those are the types of things that every day is a celebration, right? So, yes. so you had 18 months and clearly if... Ladies and gentlemen, if you can do some math, <laughs> it's been longer than 18 so, months. So it'll be five years next month. So are you still, here's my big question, because that is like, whoa, blowing my mind, you have more than 18 months. Are you still every day going at this like celebration? So so here's what we do, right? We, we There's two or three courses of action. Most everybody that's ever had cancer knows. If you're young enough and you're daring enough, you can do some radical surgeries. If you're um, chemo is an option, radiation or you know, all those things are usually on the table. They proposed some radical surgery ideas with me, and I said, "Let's, what you know, fully in the anticipation that I might not live." Mm -hmm. So they slit me from ear to ear. I mean, I don't want to get too graphic on a on a show, but you know, slice you from ear to ear, Da Vinci robot take off the bottom right lobe of your lung. All of these things were done in a very short period of time. Mm -hmm. Recovery was extremely difficult and painful. And at one point I begged my wife to let me die. Oh. I did. It, 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 it was, I appreciate pain on a whole other level. Mm -hmm. I appreciate illness on a whole other level. We think we're sick when we have the flu or we have COVID, but we're not sick. Yeah, you're sick when you're begging someone next to you to let you die. Mm. That's when you're sick. So then you recover. And you say, if I can just and it, and it was in steps, you all I had to learn how to swallow again, I had to get rid of a feeding tube. There's all these things that have to, I don't want to get too graphic, you go through all these checkoffs, right? And every one of those that happened, as they happen, it's a celebration. 
And then you also embed in your mind, I never want to go back to this point. Mm. But you know you might because we don't control mm. when it happens and it will come back and we'll fight this battle another way. But we're better prepared for it now. Yeah. And, you know, we might lose, but we're going to try to win and we're not going to defeat ourselves because I've been at that point where I've said, please let me die. Mm. I'm not going back. So I'm just hearing what you're saying, that you're, you look at life in general in a much more philosophical state of mind, as, as opposed to, again, the, the whole, the whole business about the, the minor things disappearing, but it sounds like there's been a much more mental shift towards that philosophical mindset. Absolutely. You know, it's easy for us to sit and waste an awful lot of time on trying to craft in our brains what life should be. Mm -hmm. But the easiest function is to enjoy every moment, try to try to live a, a whole life, don't waste time, make sure that every moment that you have, you have a purpose for. And it's so much easier said than done when we have to do things like laundry and cook and clean and make time. I, I will tell you something that we don't do that none of us do anymore that we used to do. We don't give time to people that we don't want to be with. Uh, mm. And that's a, a that horrible been a thing for me lately. It's a horrible thing to say, you know, because it sounds like, well, you're being rude. You're not including, but it's when you're at death's door, you don't want to give your life away when you're not comfortable. You don't want people, you want people that want to be around you, that want to earn that time with you to be a part of your life. And it's, we go through a lot of exercises where we're giving part of our life to other people that don't deserve it. Yep. They're not going to be appreciative. And that may include some relatives. Yeah. It may include some longer time friends from childhood. And those choices you find when you're in that situation, it's easy to make them. Well, and you know, that is actually, there's probably listeners thinking, well, I'm not looking at, you know, in 18 months, I, that's all I have left. But I can tell you this. I have done that recently in my life. I am so busy in all good ways with the missions that I have put out there in the world. And I have my, my youngest is in senior year of high school and my oldest just graduated college and he's living, I mean, I'm in Philly, he's in Florida. Like he is out and he is living his dream and my middle guy's still in college. But I keep looking at this as every single day when I have time with my daughter, like, what are my priorities? Does that really have to get done? Does the laundry really have to get done? And it, it has been a massive shift this summer because I see the end of our time together, like right. together coming. And it has, I'll tell you what, I don't I don't care about the dog hair that's in the corner anymore. I'm like, every now and again, I'm like, Chris, maybe we should, uh, and she's like, let's get the robot vacuum on that. And let's go outside <laughs> and kick a ball around. And we're like, but it is amazing to let go of the things that, the things and the people that we think matter that don't really matter. And that doesn't mean good people won't still occupy our lives. Yeah. We'll do that. But at some point, you have to make choices that are important for you and your family. And also demonstrate to your family what choices they need to make when they're faced with the similar type decisions. And I'll tell you, I got to see my daughter graduate college. I got to marry her to a, a fine young man in the Navy. And they're in Norfolk, Virginia now. Um, my uh, middle child. I got to see him graduate high school. He's now in college, same college I went to. My youngest child, who's a special needs adopted child, 
is now in high school and doing well in Florida, wow. where my wife lives separate from me, because that was also part of the plan, was she needed to continue her career path and her life in my absence. So as soon as I can finish the job that I'm doing, and I'm and I stay in good health. I may move down there with me. Wow! But we're our marriage is stronger than it ever, ever has been. Wow! And we see each other maybe once a month. So you're giving yourself, and by by way of extension, you're giving yourself permission to make choices that might seem unpopular, unconventional, unwhatever to to really enhance whatever life you have you know we were all raised to be polite yeah and there were certain things that we were taught you you sit a certain way you converse a certain way you don't be rude when someone older than you is talking to you um and and these are all good principles right mm -hmm. but if you're saying i've got you know 500 days left to live what do i really want to do well Tomorrow, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to get in a vehicle and I'm going to drive to the states that I haven't been to. And I'm going to keep driving until I want to come back. And 11 days later, you're like, man, that was great. And you feel fulfilled. Mm -hmm. And that fulfillment will not happen until you give yourself that permission. You cannot live your best life and be the best parent or the best friend or the best spouse or the best partner until you allow yourself to be happy wow you can't you're absolutely right it's so. the truth i mean it's it's that whole they, they used to say that oxygen thing you know on the plane you have to give yourself oxygen first and all of us do it reversed and then and then what happens it's resentment it's tired it's expectations aren't met you know and looking at it that way of I guess it is that everybody always thinks that that's a selfish way of going about it, but it isn't because you're being so you're being in such service to people when you're at your best self. Yes. And you're more effective. You're a better friend. You're a better communicator. You're a better spouse. You serve because we all want to serve. Right. Yeah. But what we worry about every day is, well, have I done the things that I need to do? So I'm allowed to do what I have to do. Yeah. Right. So we right. get back so, to punishing ourselves. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, several of us, you two included, have had to get to that point where we've had to face this wall and know that, okay, what do we do now? Yeah. And you can make the choice to allow yourself to be happy and contribute in a useful way to your family and friends with whatever time we all have left, right? Mm -hmm. Or we can continue to go day to day, be miserable, check boxes and report in whenever we feel like it. Yeah. And feel like you're accomplishing something when in effect you are doing just the opposite. You're just pushing it, you, you know, you're pushing the broom, the yeah. broom of your life. You're just pushing it through a room, right? Yeah. I have the song "Live Like You're Dying" running through my head. I thought the same thing. I thought the same thing. You know, I I did think about that song, and I'm not a, I I like all kinds of music. I really do, but that one really, you you, it's a very haunting set of lyrics. Um, I'm sure. And uh, you you do. I mean, you get a diagnosis. And, I, I would say it, it came to mind as you were talking. Um, I would say it's almost more though, like live like you're a kid. Because children look for what's going to make them happy in that moment. 
And obviously they don't have the social awareness and all that that we get as we're a little bit older. But I think it's a bad thing that we lose that over time. You know, that reminds me of something going on at this convention that you may have seen. There's a show that's being promoted here where the gentleman that's promoting it has some living reptiles. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we saw we were with the bow yesterday. So, oh, yeah. So my point, though, is watching people behave around those reptiles is exactly what you're talking about. They've let themselves be free to go back and explore because, you know, we're not around a lot of people we know. There's right. not a lot of accountability. Right. So I'm going to hold a big snake, right? Or I'm going <laughs> to, there's a dragon I want to pet. Or, and that's a really freeing thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you should have seen when they were throwing little Cliffords out into the crowd. Oh, that was, yeah. One woman but, said, I, I intercepted it. You know? see, that's, that's people, you know, these are C-suite people. These yeah. are people. Yeah. Um, and, and suddenly they're playing, behaving like kids. They're playing. I love it. Yeah. I love it. That's wonderful. Well, David, I can't thank you enough for sharing that story. It is incredibly poignant and boy, what lessons. So thank you. It was an absolute pleasure meeting both of you. You're wonderful people. And I hope this brings you everything that you intend on because it's, it, these messages are so important. They are. And that's the way we feel about it. So when we can share stories like yours, and give that hope and permission for people to live their best lives. We're always grateful to that. So thank you so much for joining us. Tell us where, where can people find you and, and get in touch with you? Um, well, I'm at WKU Public Media, but uh, my Twitter handle is at David S. Brinkley. So just like the old news, there's a newscast. I was going to say, um, Chet Huntley's in my head. Chet right? Huntley and David I got to Brinkley. meet him. He was a great guy when I was still doing a show. Um <laughs> But at David S. Brinkley is my Twitter handle, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn. It's very simple. I'm an easy David Brinkley to find. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Awesome. Well, everybody, check in and, and follow uh, David here. And, and thank you so much for sharing this. This really has been a unique perspective that we have not heard before. And um, I know it's going to be a very good service to our listeners. So thank you. And thank you, David. Thank everybody, you. Thanks, for, uh, thanks for tuning in here. And uh, we'll bring another guest here live from the Nita Conference. We're there. Oh, very social behind us. <laughs> thanks for tuning in to the Brilliantly Resilient Podcast. Join our Facebook group and follow us on YouTube to be inspired with tools to reset, rise, and reveal your brilliance.